What a great time today that we can have in the Lord. We're thankful for all of you that are here. It is our distinct privilege to have dear friends, brother and sister Foster, Mark Foster, and his sweet wife from uh, Monroe, Louisiana. And we're grateful they're here today. Come on, Brother Foster. Amen. All right, let me get turned on here. Uh, I was uh, getting wired at our church one day, and my dad come through, and uh, he, he, they were wiring me up with this mic, and my dad walked through where they were wiring me and said, he doesn't need wiring, just leave him alone, guys. But hey, it's great to be in the house of God today. I feel the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Woo. Oh, my, my. Doesn't it feel good in the house? There's nothing like a Sunday. I love a Sunday. Coming to the house of God. Oh, and worshiping Him. And, and I'm just telling you something. What, what worship you have. I love the spirit of Jesus that's here and the spirit of worship that's here. And how about this worship team? Wow. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And what an honor and a privilege it is to be here with every one of you and to be here with our friends, Pastor and Sister Hughes. We thank God for them. And I know you do. You are blessed. You are blessed to have these folks as your pastors and leaders. And, and, and I mean, what a work. And, and I, was, I got to be here for one night of the district conference and that's first time I saw this beautiful edifice. And y'all hadn't been in it too long at that time, I don't think. Just getting in, and what a, I mean, just driving, we, we come driving up, this place is absolutely phenomenal, and I, I just love, it is a monument to what God can do, amen, amen, amen. I do thank God for the leadership of your great pastor and wife, good to see Sister Leanne Hughes here today too, great to see you and be with you. And uh, there are others in the house that we may know. Uh, in fact, you know, this pretty girl sitting over here, uh, you know, she, I, I, I met her 53 years ago this past June in Houston. And I married her now, what, 50 and a half years ago in Houston? And uh, so God had, hey, we're not even that old. We got married when we were five. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. But God has blessed me with that girl, and what an honor, what a privilege it is to be with every one of you. Why don't you turn around, and in this time of COVID, why don't you give somebody a Holy Ghost air high five and move your shoulder a little and say, Woo, I like what I feel in the house. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to title this today simply Making the Trip But Missing the Journey. Making the Trip But Missing the Journey. There's a children's nursery rhyme that's been around forever about a cat that went to London to see the queen. 
And when someone asked the cat what she saw in London, what she saw in the palace, she replied, I saw a mouse under the queen's chair. And some folks are like the cat. They miss the majesty of the moment. And they only focus in on the facade. Many years ago, Paula and I were on a plane. And, and by the way, folks, that's Paula with two L's. That's a special Paula, all right? But Paula and I were on a plane. And we quickly ascertained that a lady that was sitting like three rows behind us across the aisle, it was her first ride. Because she was scared to death. And she was crying just as the plane was revving its engines. And then she got to crying more as it started taxiing. And then as it started catapulting down the runway, she began to cry hysterically. And uh, it got funny. I'm sorry, but uh, I guess that's the way I am. I felt sorry for her. And it was funny at the same time because <laughs> if, if, if that's against your uh, conscience, uh, please forgive me. But, uh, but as the plane took off, as we reached airborne status, uh, she began to shriek and, and, and hysterically cry and holler. And, and started balancing herself in her seat. She lifted her feet off the ground. She raised her hands and she began, ah, 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 like, like her balancing was going to keep that plane airborne. Now again, I felt, I did feel bad for her, but it was funny, folks. But that's not the funniest thing. There was a pilot sitting about four seats in front of us that was deadheading. He was, he was just flying to his next location uh, as a passenger on the plane. He was in uniform. And so once they turned, the, 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 the little light came on and, or went off and the bell dinged, he got up and walked back and knelt down beside her and began to pat her and said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm I'm a pilot, and and, and I do this all the time, and I'm here to tell you, you're going to be okay. And when she said, all she heard was the word pilot. And she said, you're the pilot. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be up there. She was going to make the journey, but she was definitely missing the trip. There was another time, and, and uh, uh, I, a, a little old lady came in and sat down beside me. I, I enjoyed the aisle seat, but she specifically chose a window. Now, this has been many years ago, probably 25 years ago, so she may not have been as old as I am, you know, but back then everybody looks old, now everybody looks young. So, so, so uh, she, she excused herself, and I, I got up and let her in, and she sat down, and I was tired. All I wanted to do was go to sleep. I get on a plane sometimes and I'll tell Paula, I'm so tired, I'm just going to get on this plane and crash. She said, don't say that, Mark. Don't say that. Say you're going to take a nap. And so, all I wanted to do was take a nap, Pastor. I just wanted to take a nap. 
And she talked incessantly. And she was excited about everything. I mean, she picked up the barf bag and she, oh, what is this? So I explained it to her. She said, well, isn't that neat? They thought of it. I've never thought of the barf bag as being neat. But, but she said they thought of everything. And so she oohed and awed, looking out the window as we went down the runway. And, and then as we flew over the city and she, she began to look and she oohed and awed. She said, oh, this is just, I've never done anything. This is so neat. This is so cool. This is just great. And then when they brought back then, they used to bring peanuts around. And, and they brought peanuts around. And so she asked the lady, well, how much are they? And the lady said, well, they're free. They come. Oh, the peanuts. She, she punched me on the arm said, did you hear that, young man? The peanuts are free. <laughs> and she found out the Coke was free and she started praising Jesus. <laughs> but I realized, what I realized in that moment, in that experience with her, was that she was definitely making sure that she was going to enjoy the journey. From the legends of the Taj Mahal comes just a very fascinating story. The favorite wife of the Mughal Emperor Shah Jahan died... Did you notice I said favorite wife? If I had called Paula my favorite wife, I would die. I would, I would make the trip, but I'd miss the rest of the journey. So his, wife, his favorite wife died, and he was devastated. He resolved to honor her, and so he began to construct a temple, and ordered the construction as a temple, a beautiful edifice that would serve as her tomb. And her coffin was taken out on that land and placed right in the center of the land. And the construction began and went on all around it. And no expense was spared to make her final resting place absolutely magnificent. And the, the days turned to weeks and the weeks turned to months and the emperor walked across that place every day and one day when walking across it uh, his leg bumped against a dusty wooden box and brushing the dust off of his leg disgustedly he ordered the workers to throw the box out and upon completion of the temple they began to look for his wife's coffin only to find that it had been thrown away now forgotten, hidden, and buried between layers of dust and time. The temple had been erected, but the one intended to be honored had been forgotten. And so, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, we have gathered here this Sunday morning and there are two distinct groups in this house today. There are those who only see the temple. There, there are those who, who are here because it's the right thing to do and, and, and it's what the family expects and it makes folks happy and, and so they're here. And then there are those that are here to see and honor the one who died for us. And so today, 
in this house. There are the temple gazers and there are the savior seekers. And I ask which category are you in? The temple gazers, they don't mean to be bored. They love the church. They love the programs. They love the pastor and the people. But the one that they once planned to honor hasn't been seen by them in a while. But those of us who have seen him and who walk with him daily, we just can't seem to forget him. We brush away the dust from the tomb, from his empty tomb, and we begin to praise him, and we begin to magnify him, and we lift him up. The temple gazers and the savior seekers, you'll find them in the same church at the same time, sometimes sitting on the same pew, and one sees the structure and says, what a beautiful church in a great church while the other sees the Savior and says, what a great Savior, what a great Jesus. And so I'm preaching today the destination, of course, uh, is vitally important. But God wants us uh, to understand this morning that the Christian life is actually more about the journey than it is even about the destination. And here we are, we're living in a time of great affluence, uh, a, a more affluent world than we've ever lived in. Researcher Dr. Nathan Klein uh, asserts that there's more human suffering today than ever before. And there's more suffering through discouragement uh, and depression, he said, than any other disease. Now, before I'm misunderstood, let me make a statement. I believe that mental health is important, and I believe that depression is very real, and I believe that if you're suffering from that, you definitely need to get the elders of the church to pray. You need to get the church to pray, but you need to go find somebody, go see a doctor as well. If I have a heart problem, I'm going to go see a doctor. If I have a mental problem. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to go see a doctor as well. But it, today, uh, the, the antidepressants uh, are dispensed, uh, uh, tranquilizers for agitated mental health. Uh, and in this land where there's more wealth, where there's more opportunity, where there's more abundance than any other nation in the history of the world, there are thousands of suicides that are reported every year. And how many are there that are unreported? There are so many people that are making the trip, but they're missing the journey. They're missing the real reasons for living. For some, there always seems to be something missing. I want to preach to you today and let you know that you're in a house of hope and that you're in a house of healing. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter how many losses you've experienced. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That same Jesus that walked the sandy shores of Galilee is walking the carpet in this house right now. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been. And he's bringing a hope. He's bringing a healing in this house of hope and healing today. One day in an airport, Paul and I met a lady that was standing behind us in the Starbucks line. The Starbucks gave me the wrong coffee. 
And it irritated this lady to no end. And uh, she could only see the negative. And she began to talk about and berate Starbucks. But then it went further. She, she began to berate the government and, and, and she, began, she, she began to tell us that she felt like it ought to be run like a welfare state. Uh, and, and then she made a statement. She said, I've been a school teacher for 20 years and I get absolutely no respect. Now I wanted to tell her that she reminded me of Rodney Dangerfield. For some of you younger folks, that went right over your head. You have no idea who that is. And Paula, as we were walking away, Paula said, you know, with that attitude, that lady's going places. Just the wrong places. But life can bring the unexpected to us. And you're here today and perhaps the unexpected has come crashing down on you just in recent days. But God knew it was going to happen before it happened. God knew exactly where you were and where you would be. And I'm preaching to somebody that God has ordained that you be in this service today. You're not here by any accident. You're here in the divine ordination and will of Almighty God because He's reaching for you and he wants to help you. And it was that way with Naaman. The unexpected came crashing down. At first it was probably nothing more than just a curious little patch on his neck. A sore that wouldn't heal. And it's, it's absurd. It's ridiculous that something so small should suddenly signal the beginning of the end of such a great and grand career. Yet that's just what it did. Second Kings 5 and 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife and she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. That first verse says, He was such a great man, but he was a leper. That little three-letter word, but, he was a great man, but he was a leper. Before that word, everything was grand and glorious in his life. He was a mighty man of valor. He was a valued soldier. He was a general of one of the world's greatest armies. He was an honored and a trusted counselor. He was a leader touched by the Lord even. But... uh, He was a leper and everything in life suddenly turned upside down and everything suddenly became different and he was left with the dread, the gloom, the stigma, the stigma of I am a leper and there was absolutely no, no 
answer. He knew what it meant. He knew that to be a leper would mean that ultimately he would have to leave his job, his career. He would have to leave his family. And he would have to sit outside the walls of the gate of the city. And, and, and he would there have to be by himself. Only fellowshipping and spending time with leper. But let me tell you something. Wherever you are, COVID has not taken our God by surprise. Your situation has not shaken God in the least. The God of time and eternity is neither surprised nor shaken by the events that come crashing in to these time-bound lives of ours. But the problem is we don't always recognize the grace of God when it arrives. We're so upset. We're so shaken sometimes by our circumstances, by our situations, by our troubles, or we're so caught up in what we're doing that we sometimes miss the small, gentle, non-understandable methods that God uses to speak grace and healing into our lives. And in the case of Naaman, his answer came through the sigh of a foreign little slave girl. And Mrs. Naaman heeded the little girl's words and somebody took them to her husband. And eventually the distinguished general arrived at the prophet Elisha's humble door in Samaria. And Elisha's neighborhood had never seen a mightier man and a more awesome chariot. Everyone no doubt edged closer to get a look. Second Kings 5 and 9. So Naaman came with his horse and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth angry and went ahead uh, and went away and said behold I thought uh, he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord uh, a God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper are not the rivers of uh, Abana and Parfar of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel may I not wash in them and be clean so he turned away and went in a rage and his servants came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then he let some common sense take over. And he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came unto him like that of a little child. And he was he pulled up in his entourage. He pulled up in his limousine with, with the black SUVs in front of it and behind it. Uh, he pulled up uh, in his grandeur and his splendor and the man of God didn't even come to the door. And the man of God sent a message and said, go dip seven times in the muddy Jordan. And he was offended and he said, but I thought 
Now, I'm preaching to somebody right now, Pastor. That's when I get in trouble. I get in trouble when I say, but God, I thought, uh, I thought you would do it this way. And I thought you would do it that way. But you know what I learned a long time ago, brothers and sisters? Uh, I learned to say, hey, Mark, uh, reel your thinking in. Get your flesh out of the way and let God be God. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God is ready to be God in your life. I'm talking to somebody right now. God knows where you are. God's ready to do something in your life that's going to literally blow your mind. Oh, the Lord is in this house right now. Woo! God's thoughts were not Naaman's thoughts. And neither were God's ways, Naaman's ways. Isaiah tells us about that. But the response was up to Naaman. I'm preaching to somebody today. God has a beautiful journey for you today on the way to your destination. I know you may be in trouble. You may be facing hard times in a crowd this size. We, we're, well, we're, let me just put it this way. We're all people of trouble. He who has no troubles is not among us today. If you happen to be among us today, please live three or four more days because you'll see that troubles will come uh, accosting you. But I'm telling you that Jesus Christ uh, is in the house. Uh, he made it possible for you to be here today. And he said, I've got something for you. I've got something for you, for every one of you. I'm ready to bring healing to your situation. And Naaman could have thundered back uh, to Syria in a royal rage and preserved his dignity. And then he would have set in a darkened apartment uh, outside Damascus uh, and watched his flesh crumble away. Or he could humble himself greatly and accept the Lord's uh, salvation. I'm preaching to somebody today. It's time to humble yourself before God. It's time to say, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. My way hasn't worked. My way's got me to where I am right now. But God, I'm going to humble myself. Uh, I'm going to get on my knees before you and I'm going to give it all to you and I'm going to worship you and I know that you are going to bring me through. Our God is here today to deliver. Our God is here today to answer. And in a place of hurt, humbling and sorrow, Naaman found greater treasure than in all the palaces of Syria. Naaman had thought politics and battles and chariot races and royal pomp and splendor were the most important things of life. But in his suffering, he learned that those things didn't count 
for much at all. And in dipping seven times in the muddy Jordan, he came face to face with his creator and he learned the true purpose of his life. I'm preaching to somebody right now that God is here to help you. I'm preaching that he rules over Satan. He rules over death. He rules over hell. He rules over your situation and circumstances. He's the peacekeeper. He's the problem solver. He's the miracle worker. He's the heart mender. Jesus is my provider. He's my supplier. He's my shepherd. He's my song. He's my sword. He's my shield. He's the healer of all my diseases. He's the forgiver of all my iniquities. He's holy. He's highly exalted. He is merciful. He is majestic. There's nothing too hard for him. He's the overseer of the overcomers. Uh, He's the captain of my salvation. He's altogether lovely and his name is Jesus. Herod couldn't kill him. Learned men could not baffle him. Lobbyists couldn't bribe him. Pharisees couldn't trick him. Pilate couldn't touch him. The devil couldn't budge him. The cross couldn't keep him. And the grave couldn't hold him. There's no sickness he cannot cure. He's bigger than AIDS or Alzheimer's, arthritis or anorexia, bulimia or bursitis, cataracts or cancer, depression or diabetes, emphysema or epilepsy, hepatitis or heart problems, melanoma, migraines or meningitis or anything else. The Bible still declares that by His stripes we are healed. Hallelujah! 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 Oh, let's just remain standing and clap our hands to Jesus right now. He is the Omega. He's the first. He's the last. He's the beginning. He's the ending. Above him there is no God. He's here to solve your problem. He's here to supply your need. He's here to deliver you right now. He's here to set you free. Just remain standing. Our musicians are coming. You're in God's house this morning. And there's some that might only be seeing the pretty building, hearing the beautiful music. But you're in a place of help. You're in a place of hope. You're in a place of healing this morning. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in getting baptized in the name of Jesus. There's power in receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's power in laying things down. Hebrews 12 and 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, somebody said let us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Notice it says let us. And so what the scripture's saying is the job of laying it down is mine. God doesn't take it until I lay it down. 
And so somebody today is ready to lay it down. Preacher, this world is caving in on me. There's things happening in my life, in my world, in my family, on my job, in school that I don't understand. But I declare that you're in a place to receive help and healing this morning. When Simon Peter walked on the water to Jesus, Jesus didn't stop the storm. He didn't, he didn't stop the situation and the circumstances he was in. He just said one word. He just said, come. And in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your situation, in the middle of your trials, troubles, and tribulation, Jesus is simply saying, He's saying, I'll be there for you if you'll just step out. And I'm declaring the moment will never be perfect. The time will never be just right. But there is no time better than right now. And so today, if you have a spiritual need, if you need the Holy Ghost, or if you need to be baptized, or if you need a refilling, or if you just need to draw closer to Jesus. Number one, if you have a spiritual need. Number two, if you have an emotional need. If there's something that has transpired in your life, maybe yesterday, maybe 10 or 25 years ago, that you've not been able to get over, you've not been able to get under, you've not been able to get around, you've not been able to get through. There's some emotional need. Number three, if there's a relational need. Maybe in, in a marriage. Maybe with children. Maybe with parents. Maybe with co-workers on the job. Number four, if there's a physical need, if you have a physical need in your body. And number five, if there's a financial need. And that covers everything. That covers the gamut of all of it. If there's a spiritual need, if you have an emotional need, a relational need, if you have a, a, a financial need or a physical need, I just want you right now, they're going to begin to sing. And right now, I, if you have any kind of need, I just want you to step out. Excuse yourself very quickly. Step out. And I just want you to come stand or kneel here and say, Lord, I'm bringing it to you and I'm putting it down. I'm setting it at your feet. Come now, please. And be saved. There is a name that can heal my storm. Help us, please. 